You are listening to the Brentwood Baptist Church Life Group Leader Podcast, a resource to equip and encourage group leaders on their journey toward being disciples and making disciples through life groups. Here are your hosts, Jay Fennell and Paul Wilkinson. Hello again, Life Group Leaders, and welcome to the Life Group Leader Podcast for Brentwood Baptist Church. So glad that you're tuning in again this week. Uh, this is the week of February the 13th, and we're excited about another opportunity for us to continue teaching in our life groups the Transforming Truths curriculum, and we're going to be talking about Lesson 5 this week, the Holy Spirit. So we're excited about that, but before we do, let's jump into some announcements, and my man Paul Wilkinson is here, he's going to start us off. Hey, everybody. We had the Immersion Conference Friday. It was a great time. Uh, Russell Moore did a great job, and we learned a lot about engaging the culture with our faith and being authentic to the gospel. We want to play up on that momentum and keep offering these sort of ethical and cultural conversations. So in the coming weeks, in early March, on a Saturday morning, we are going to have what we call a mini-immersion, where I'm going to lead out some ethical training So we just wanted to make you aware of it. We'll give you more details as we move forward on precise dates, but it'd be good for you and even some of your group members to join in on that ethics and culture conversation. Spring meetings are going to be cranking up. We've been talking about spring meetings over the last few podcasts. Spring meetings, as you know, if you're an experienced or been around the block life group leader here at Brentwood Baptist, you know what those are. They're annual one-on-ones with a staff person with an adult minister, that would be Paul or me, and we're excited about sitting down with you and talking about what God is doing in your group, how we can pray for you, and maybe talk about some things that God wants to do in your group uh, as we move down the road of 2017. So we're going to be sending out an email. Either we've already sent out an email by this time that you receive this, or you'll be getting one soon about signing up for a day that we can meet with you and talk to you about your group. It's a great opportunity to do that. So I want you to take advantage of that. Uh, Ongoing training is always necessary for no matter what discipline we're in, and likewise for life groups and life group leaders. And we want to make training beneficial to you and accessible to you. We already ask and demand so much out of you that we don't want to make another burden, another checkbox for you. So what we've decided to do is request an extra hour on a Sunday morning. It's either going to be from 8.15 to 9.15 or from 10.45 to 11.45. So hopefully you'll never have to miss your life group leading time. So three times throughout this year, um, from now until summer, and then again in October and November, we're going to ask for one extra hour on a Sunday morning. So three additional hours to go through training on life group essentials, on leadership development and apprenticing and then on how to help our groups engage with the community through MTI and local fellowship. Really want you to take advantage of that. We're calling them cluster training. So we're clustering life group leaders together, kind of in a cohort. Paul's put all that together. And so it'll be an opportunity for us to walk with a group of people over the course of the year. So good opportunity to network, to learn, to train, uh, to become better at what you're doing as a life group leader. So great opportunity to do that. Last announcement that we wanted to just put on your radar, again, is Engage Middle Tennessee, April the 8th this year, Saturday. Uh, We'll have more details upcoming, but we want you to already begin thinking about some things that 
your group might would want to do on that day to serve the community around us, Middle Tennessee, uh, in light of the Middle Tennessee Initiative? How can your life group uh, engage our community with the gospel? It may be through a partner that you're already with. It could be something that you think of on your own. It could be something that um, one of our local church partners here that you're not engaged with yet, but that you want to learn more about them, and then you want to on that day begin a relationship with those partners. Uh, so many opportunities to do that. So, you know, we had, I think, little, about 50% of our groups participated last year. We would love to see a much larger percentage of our life groups to participate and engage Middle Tennessee this year. Uh, so let's let's make that a goal, and I hope you'll you'll do that. So we'll have some some more uh, information for you over the next few weeks to uh, get you ready for that sort of thing. All right, well let's start talking about the lesson this week. Uh, we are finishing up. We're on lesson five, but we are finishing up the three parts of the Trinity, and this week we're talking about the third person of the Trinity, uh, specifically the Holy Spirit. I really are excited about this lesson because I really think it gives us some great handles on who the Holy Spirit is and what he does in the church and what he does in our lives as believers. And Dr. Didway, in writing this chapter, really broke it down into a few easy, memorable kind of big buckets for us. Uh, he starts in verse in, on page 51 in the travel log, calling, uh, describing the Holy Spirit as a counselor to be with you. And he references John 14, uh, where, where the scriptures say, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. So, uh, the scriptures are clear that one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to be a counselor, to be a helper, to be a mediator for us. Uh, as we are, uh, as we live our lives and we seek to serve God and do His work in the world. He also says that the Holy Spirit is a teacher. And Jesus even speaks to this in the Gospel of John where He says, I've spoken these things to you while I'll, while I'll remain with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Father will send Him in my name and He will teach you all things and remind you everything I have told you. So one of the roles of the Holy Spirit that we see is that he is a teacher. He teaches us the, the scriptures. He helps to illumine the scriptures that we've already read and maybe even marinated on, brings those to bear in our lives, and begins to use those as we live. Another thing that he says, Dr. Didway says in this chapter, is he says that the Holy Spirit is a force to empower you. Acts 1.8, great example of that. The scriptures say, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to empower believers to do the work and do the ministry that the Holy Spirit has called them to do. Really important uh, aspect of the role of the Holy Spirit. And then the last one that Dr. Didway begins to uh, unpack for us a little bit in this particular chapter is that the Holy Spirit is an intercessor for you. Romans 8, uh, Paul talks about this when he says, In the same way, the Spirit also joins to help in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings. 
And he who searches the hearts knows the Spirit's mindset because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So even when we're struggling with some issue in our lives, even when we don't know where to go, even if we don't even know how to pray, the Holy Spirit knows us so much, so personal, that he intercedes, that he prays for us to the Father. And that's just an amazing thing to consider for us in, in our lives. Because I don't know about you, there have been so many times in my life where I've just been literally sat at the feet of God and speechless, not knowing what to say, how to pray. In the depths of grief or maybe even on the mountaintop, you just don't even know what to say. And yet we know if we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit empowers us and dwells us, intercedes for us, and is able to communicate our groanings, uh, our wordless prayers to the Father, and He understands. Awesome, awesome reality. So we're going to jump into the Scripture, John 16. Paul's going to read it, and then we'll, have, we'll just unpack that a few minutes and then talk about the significance of the Holy Spirit uh, and uh, go from there, Paul. Yeah, and it really is incredible what you just said about the Spirit praying for us because it liberates us to just be in the presence so that we don't even always have to speak because the Holy Spirit is already praying for us. So mm-hmm. we can just revel in it and, and just seek to hear and listen wow. and what a liberating gift it is. All right, John sixteen five. it's always good to hear the word of God. But now I am going away to him who sent me, and not one of you asked me, where are you going? Yet because I have spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I am going to the Father, and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears and will also declare to you what is going to come. He will glorify me, because he will take from me what is mine and declare it to you. Everything the Father has is mine. This is why I told you that he takes from what is mine and will declare it to you. Okay, Paul just read our focal passage for the chapter for this week's lesson, John 16, verses 5 through 15. Paul, one of the things that really jumps out to me uh, as we just kind of take a look at this passage in depth here is verse 7. And uh, I think the version you read, it says, It is for your benefit that I go away. This is Jesus himself saying, it is talking to his disciples, It is for your benefit, my version that I have that I've been reading from, It is for your advantage hmm. that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. That's a pretty interesting thing uh, for Jesus to say, but because he thought it was better that he would go away from his disciples so that the Spirit would come. Let's talk to us a little bit about that. Why, why do you think that? Should, should we speak to that in our in our class? Obviously, we should. But what are some of the things that you think about when we when when you hear Jesus say those words? I think in the flow of the Gospels, it's an unexpected and extremely radical claim particularly with John and all of the signs John's talking about. And he's, he opens with, here's the divine word, the Lagos, who has eternally existed, becoming flesh for your people. And Christ is lifted so high, you have the incarnate fullness of God in your midst in the person of Christ. 
And so you would think it doesn't get any better than this. This is it. This is the second person come to redeem his people. And then Jesus drops this bomb uh, toward the end of John. It's better that I leave. So it's better that the eternal second person, incarnate Lagos of the universe, leave so that you can have this Holy Spirit active and dwelling you. It, it, you just, it just comes out of left field and really crushes you. Because it speaks to the truth that to live the Christian life is all grounded in Christ's righteousness and our justification because of that. But as we mature in our sanctification, it is the spirit who is active, um, who is active in that walk, in that journey. So Jesus says about the spirit, and I'm taking, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning forward and looking at these verses that are up here on the screen. Uh, verse eight, he says, when he comes, he will convict the world of about sin, righteousness, and judgment. And then he kind of spends the next few uh, lines here kind of maybe talking about that a little more in depth. Paul, hit us up with some of those aspects, this whole idea of sin, righteousness, and judgment as to some of the things that the Holy Spirit is going to do when he comes. Yeah, I thought it was odd what, or maybe not odds are right, where maybe interesting what John links together here. Uh, we're in the middle of theology. Again, um, theology is not always the most welcome thing in the church, believe it or not. Uh, you're going to corrupt faith by making it too intellectual or whatever the case may be. But in verse nine, John says about sin because they do not believe in me. And the idea of belief, a uh, part of that is definitely intellectual assent. Of course, the critical component is the submission of the will. But this idea that our beliefs and our knowledge about God have an influence on how we understand our own sin and our own sinfulness. Um, and then you get the righteousness related to uh, Jesus Christ not being here anymore. And to me, that screamed model. And what's more important for ministry as leaders, which we all are, for the people in our groups, we are the model in the presence and the mediator of the presence of God for those in our groups. Um, so just like righteousness comes through the model Jesus provided for his disciples, so too we got to model the right faith and out of our overflow, um, out of our own spiritual fullness, the way our people ought to be living as well. And then lastly, judgment, because the ruler of this world, Satan, has already been judged. Um, that should be liberating. Uh, we give Satan, uh, I don't want to say that Satan's not powerful, but we give him too much credit and too much control so many times. And through the spirit and through Christ's conquering of death, um, Satan's already been judged. And the question is, are we going to live like it? Oh man, that's, that's so true. And that's a good point to make, especially regarding judgment. And it says about the judgment, verse 11, because the ruler of this world has been judged. I mean, this is even prior to Jesus's um, crucifixion and resurrection, you know, and, and, and Jesus is already saying, hey, Satan is a goner and he will be judged uh, rightfully so. And I think it's important, you know, maybe this is a, a point to make at another lesson another time. But when we speak about Satan, it's not like he is equally powerful force equal opposite of God in the sense that he is as powerful as God Almighty is powerful. That is absolutely 100% not true. Satan requires, well, let's put it this way. Satan needs God for his, his existence. And I think that's, 
we we can't we can't forget that. So anyway, I don't want to unpack that. That's a whole another story to to tell. But I think that that may be an important point to, to to make in this. Um, so we've got the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Holy Spirit, and and I think it would be really important, Paul, for us to kind of talk about just for a second here about the relationship and how the three relate to one another, how they share with, with one another in the Godhead. And when we say, what do we mean by the term Godhead? A lot of folks have probably heard that before, maybe not even know truly what that is. And so speak to us a little bit about how the three perhaps relate to one another. We've, we've talked God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I think the Bible reveals that to be God, that you are just a Trinitarian God, that you have these three distinct persons within the one being, and that's what's meant by Godhead. Um, this is a little more precise in the language. Uh, sometimes when we just lob God out, we are a little bit ambiguous about whether we mean the Spirit's specific work, Christ's specific work, or the Father's specific work. So sometimes you'll see theologians use the term Godhead to say that this is corporate, um, corporate will in corporate work of the entire personhood of the Trinity. That's good. All right. So I think it's important too that, you know, we, as, as we're thinking about the Holy spirit and maybe even talking about the Holy spirit, that we refer to the Holy spirit as a person and not necessarily this, this force or presence floating around, you know, in the world in the same way that, you know, in the Star Wars movies, we hear about the use the force, you know what I'm saying? Or the force will be with you. Uh, That's not necessarily what we're talking about here when we refer to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person uh, that, uh, as we talked about in the beginning, who is a counselor, who is a teacher, who is an empowerer and an intercessor for us, for for God's redeemed people. But you know what I also think sometimes, Paul, is that even though we may believe that, even though we would say, yeah, the Holy Spirit is a he, the Holy Spirit is a person, we may not necessarily reference him that way. I don't know if you've even noticed this yourselves. You know, we might even pray, and but I'm not saying this is sacrilegious or anything, but what I'm saying is, Lord, pour out your spirit on this place. We may even said that before. Lord, pour out, you know, let the spirit move in this arena or in this sanctuary. You know what I'm saying? Like like he's flowing from pew to pew, um, going around. And and that's not necessarily a, a, an accurate depiction of the work of the Holy Spirit, is it? No, that's right. It's not at all. Um, and one of the beauties and one of the crucial revelations that comes out of the New Testament is that the New Testament believer has a different sort of access to the presence of God than the Old Testament believers understood. So in the Old Testament, you constantly read, if you want God's presence, you go to the temple. Or if you want God's presence, you find a prophet who's speaking for God. And think about the woman at the well in John 4. I think she asked both of these questions. We don't have a prophet. And, okay, after Messiah comes, do we worship on this hill where the Jews go in Jerusalem? Or do we worship on that hill where we Sumerians have to go because we're not pure genetically like the Jews are? And then you get Paul talking about, no, for the New Testament believer, we are literally the temples of God as we are indwelt by this third person of this Trinity. 
so that we become mobile temples, mobile tents as we go around and express the presence of God to everyone we meet. So it is theologically inaccurate to say, God, pour out your presence uh, generally, externally on these people. What it should say is, God, bring out the indwelling spirit presence that we already have in us so that we manifest it more gloriously to you. Yeah. You know, last week we talked about God the Son. We talked about Jesus, and we we talked about his, uh, how he took on flesh, right, to, um, to in order to redeem flesh. He takes on what he redeems. So he chose to come as a man in order to redeem humanity, that he chose to have a body. And in the same way, we see in the scriptures that that the, the God, the Holy Spirit, chooses to have a body as well in order to do the work and do the ministry that uh, that that he wants to accomplish in the world around us. And that body is the church. That God, that Holy Spirit has has is indwelling individual believers in the church to be a army of God's people out deployed into a world to be the salt and light, to be little Christs empowered by the Spirit to do that. Little Christ in the world, and uh, and we see that He's poured out on people. We see at Pentecost, right, where the Holy Spirit empowers Peter a person to preach the gospel. We read in Acts chapter 2, the scriptures say, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, referencing, I believe, an Old Testament uh, verse in Joel, right? Is that right, Paul? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Pour out your spirit on all people, and sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. It's this idea that, that this power, this indwelt spirit goes into people, lives in people, and then it's through people that God is redeeming the world. Does that mean that God can only do his work through people? No. But his modus operandus, we see in the scriptures, is to, has, has, is to choose people, his people, humanity, to reach humanity. And what an awesome privilege it is to think that the, the Almighty God of the universe has chosen you and me and our church, Brentwood Baptist, but all the churches who believe in him, to be that presence of the gospel right here in this world. And he's given us a commission, right? He's given us a mission uh, to, uh, you know, to, you know, he said, what did he say? Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. We're to be fishermen. Fishing for people. Uh, that is our, that is our job. That is our role. So I don't know. I just was kind of cool to kind of consider that, right? Yeah, I think that's great. And he doesn't send you out unarmed to be that presence that, like you're saying, the very spirit who hovered over the deep in the Genesis one of creation is the very same spirit that indwells you. And you have that awesome power present in you that can lead us forth in boldness. So it, we just, we just don't go it alone. We, we have the, fullness of deity indwelling us as we seek to be his representatives and it is a privilege and and it is wonderful what paul what is the role of the holy spirit in our own sanctification yeah i was very convicted of this a number of years ago because i had not really taught on the holy spirit the reason i didn't is because i didn't want to get into debates over the gifts and i didn't think there was much fruit to be had 
Um, and then, as we've already mentioned in this podcast a couple of times, as good evangelicals, we are cross-centric, and we ought to be cross-centric. Nevertheless, we still have to live the rest of our Christian life in light of that cross, and the way we do that is through the power of the Spirit. So it's not spoken on enough, one out of fear and two out of a, a separate sort of focus. And we need to be a little more holistic, maybe, uh, as, as we go about this, particularly we here in discipleship who believe that discipleship is a process and a journey. So it's heavily impacted by the work of the Holy Spirit. So as I was teaching a doctrines course here, I came up on the Holy Spirit, began researching it, and was just really blown away and convicted about why my Christian life wasn't what it ought to be. The reason it was not what it should have been is because I didn't know the Holy Spirit. So I'm just going to run, and you can find this list that I'm about to read in the teacher helps at adults.journeyonleadership.com. Regeneration, baptism into the body, uh, like Jay talked about, the body of Christ, the church. He indwells us and gives us our identity. He assures us of our salvation. He gives us power for spiritual living. He manifests and gives us the spiritual gifts. Uh, we have this fruits of the spirit, which are evidence of our um, transformation in, into Christ likeness. We are convicted of sin by the spirit. And that comes from our passage today. Uh, the spirit shows us the truth of Christ. The spirit teaches us to pray and then, like Jay said, intercedes for us in those prayers when we don't even know what we ought to pray for ourselves. It anoints people for ministry. It unifies the church. It is the um, the means of our perseverance until the second coming of Jesus. We're sealed by the Spirit. The Spirit comforts us, and the Spirit is our helper. Um, so those are the way we live the Christian life, is that we are tapped fully into that Spirit and through that, we can live faithfully to all of those realities. And those are just sort of the indwelling realities for us, not even the external things like creation and so forth. So I imagine it as a radio dial. This is what I tell the groups I teach when we talk about the Spirit. And the Spirit is communicating, particularly for the believer who's indwelled. The Spirit is always communicating, always convicting and pointing and prompting and quickening and compelling but the problem is we're not always on the same station as the Holy Spirit, where the Spirit may be on 97.9 FM or something, and I'm on 1100 AM, not even the, the right frequency at all uh, to hear the Spirit. And so part of the way we boldly live the Christian life, and one thing we have to make clear for our groups is we need to be in tune with the Spirit. The way we do that is through the disciplines, by by following the commandments of Christ, by being in the Word, by praying, by fellowshipping, both in corporate worship and then also the smaller fellowships within our groups and and on and on it goes and as we become more in tune with the spirit life just starts making sense and it's really a liberating life and it's a freeing life because as you come to love the things god loves and wants the things god wants then you live life really just doing what you want because those very things will be the things of god hmm. that's right paul <laughs> <laughs> preach um all right paul then what's at stake here uh, when we talk about the Holy Spirit and, and talk about, you know, specifically our lives uh, and the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, but also in the church, what what's at stake? What do we? What are some of the big buckets that we need to be really thinking about in this whole uh, particular lesson? So just like over the past few weeks with the Trinity, right thinking about God is at stake, and I think the more we rightly think about God, the more we rightly manifest God in our lives. And then all that we've talked about today, from your opening about teaching, counseling, interceding with prayer, to 
what we just mentioned about the regeneration, persevering to the second coming and so forth. The entire Christian life is bound up within the Holy Spirit. So what's at stake is the efficacy and the um, sincerity with which we live out our Christian faith. Well, we're praying for you again, as we say this every week, and we do. We pray for you. We're praying that this lesson will really hit home with with, with your people and uh, pray that in your study and preparation time that it will be enriching and will allow you to maybe see some things that you never considered before. Uh, pray that you would uh, teach out of the overflow and, uh, and that you would have an impact in the lives of the people this week. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks so much for all that you do and the work that you do in your groups. And we will see you next week 